everyone, and welcome to another edition of the V Auto Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Lance Helgeson. I'm joined today by Patrick Jaynes, Director of Business Development for V Auto Stockway. Patrick, good morning to you. Good morning, Lance. Great to be here today. Indeed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've asked Patrick to be here today. We're recording uh, in the first week of December, and we've just come off uh an unprecedented run of appreciation in wholesale values pretty much since the end of summer. And so I wanted to focus today's conversation and podcast, you know, on those current wholesale conditions and what they may portend for the future. Patrick, could you give us a, a quick overview of what's going on out there, please? Yeah. I mean, the dealers have been, <laughs> I would say complaining, right? That uh, prices at wholesale are been through the roof for a better part of this year. October was definitely a peak. We thought the peak was going to be earlier this year, um, but I think what happened in October, particularly from a numbers standpoint, was um, we don't normally see this type of buying activity in a month like October, right? So mm-hmm. if you do the old seasonally adjusted calculation. I think uh, the value index for, for Mannheim was at a 25-year high because we just don't normally see this much activity uh, and, and the supply being so low in a month like October. Usually, this is a time of year where, where dealers are uh, scaling back a little bit, starting to bring yeah. inventories down, and then you know ready to ramp back up for that spring market. But this has not been the case. And, and I got a couple of quick numbers here, which are interesting. So wholesale base supply right now is about 18 days. It's pretty light. Um, Normally should be around 23 days. Uh, So these are interesting numbers uh, when we talk about, you know, the the tight supply situation. Uh, And uh, the dealer day supply is about 39 days. And that's normally this time of the year, probably around 44 days. So you can see this, you know, adjustment that has happened both in the wholesale uh, market and in the dealer day supply. So we've got a lot of hungry dealers looking for fewer cars. That's interesting. So, you know, I've heard, I've heard of dealers, um, some who, who are just not going to auctions, uh, because of those high wholesale values. So what's, I guess, is it dealers driving that buying activity or what, what's, where, where's that demand coming from? Well, it's interesting. So I, I was at Used Car Week, uh, which is a conference, you know, that happens uh, yeah. every year by Auto Remarketing. And of course, the entire theme was just, you know, panel after panel talking about the supply situation. And it was amazing to me how many times folks mentioned that dealers are competing with rental car companies in the lane for cars. So rental car companies that because of the chip shortage can't get new cars. Uh, fleet sales are down significantly just because of new car supply. So they've got to have inventory to be able to, and rental car demand is still very high. There's some traveling that's happening again. Uh, and, you know, we, we've seen that through expectations from, you know, Thanksgiving traveling and and people are back, you know, trying to get some places. And so as rental car um, activity is high, they need inventory. So they're buying late model used cars or anything they can find to be able to put into rental car service, which is amazing to me. <laughs> I had a dealer make a comment to me. This was mind blowing. I was I had a workshop there and we were talking afterwards and he said, you know, he said, I'd like to tell these rental car companies that they'd be better off to just go ahead and shop like a consumer. They may be able to find a car cheaper to put in their rental car service than to stand in the lane 
can't compete with everybody else because they're literally paying over retail. It just was kind of mind-boggling as I was in this conversation. That's an interesting idea because you're right. They could probably uh, fare maybe even better in some cases, depending on what they're they're going after. Um, but I, let me pick up on that point I, I raised. You know where it, I I I have heard from some dealers where they have just flat out stopped auction buying. But I also I also know that that we've seen some big changes. I guess in how dealers who are buying auction cars are buying them. So. Tell me a little bit about what the the trend lines might be as it relates to those folks. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, those that say, hey, I'm not buying at all. I mean, demand is still very strong, and we expect demand to be uh, pretty strong all the way through next year, according to our economists. And uh, an interesting stat here, which I think confirms this, is that last year uh, or this year, you know, we talk about the SAR, new car SAR, seasonally adjusted uh, rate. Uh, for used cars, that's running about 35.8 million right now, which is off last year's yeah. 40 yeah. million, right? Yeah. So you go, oh my gosh, you, the used car market is way off. But interestingly enough, you know, we like to break out at Cox, we like to break out the retail SAR, like how many cars are going through dealerships. And the latest numbers I got on that is we're tracking about 20 million units going through dealerships. And last year, that was about 21 million, which was a, an amazing year, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not that far off from last year on the retail side. So dealers are still getting a nice flow. So the demand seems to be very high. We might be seeing some private party sales being off as part of that number. And maybe people are hanging onto their cars longer instead of, you know, trying to retail them themselves. But the dealers still seem to be getting some really high demand. So you got to get in there, right? Because NADA says, that a typical franchise dealer, 28% of their cars, they buy at auction to fuel their used car inventory. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see how you can, you know, kind of put your head in the sand and just, you know, not do any of it. But I will say that we're preaching a lot these days about dealers really expanding their sourcing strategy, right? Okay. And they've got to start attacking private party opportunities, working that service drive. And uh, we've seen a lot of really good best practices to do that. So it's more than just going to the auction and raising your hand. It's really trying to find a car everywhere they can. And the new thing that I've seen lately, which is really interesting, um, is, you know, with so few cars on the lots, we're starting to see dealers respond to customers that are looking for a car, can't find the car, and then actually go out and chase it like you would a new car sold order, like you might do a preference uh, with the manufacturer uh, or uh, uh, say that, hey, I'll order one of those. I can get one in 90 days, you know, give me a deposit. So that's an interesting uh, bit of information that I've heard from dealers lately. So are they they're They're actually taking a deposit on the car that, uh, they're going to then go find in the in the used car market. The yeah, I, market? I I think historically, and I'll you know for my retail experience, normally when somebody came in and said, "Hey, I'm looking for a particular type of used car," you went, "Sure, we'll keep an eye out for that." Wink, wink. You know, and then I kind of okay. went in one ear and out the other, right? And, and it was like, unless it was the owner's uh, friend, <laughs> you you didn't go out scour the auction or you know try to uh, go through some buy lists and try to find a car that matched. Uh, you were like, hey, you know, that's that's needle in a haystack type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now 
I believe dealers realize that that is kind of the new norm. I and mean, if you don't have the new cars in inventory, then you've got to take a sold order. If you don't have the used car in inventory, I think this suddenly becomes a race to the customer. Remember that old line, you know, they used to say it was a race to the bottom. Oh, right. now it might be a race to the customer. Who can find that used car first? And how do you do that? Well, you know, uh, we, we like to think that you need to get out in that wholesale market and get beyond your backyard, cast a wider net and see what's out there in that entire space. Those hundreds of thousands of vehicles that are on the wholesale market, which might feel lean and low supply, but with the right technology, you can look a lot further and we're starting to see dealers do that. So you're, if I'm, let me paraphrase, if, if I'm the guy that was the wink, wink guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and then the customer walk, if I, if I find out what it is that they want, then I'm able to, I'm able to plug that in and basically find that if find out a, if that car is available and then can I buy it right then and, and then have it work a deal. Yeah. So think about it. If those cars are sitting out on the wholesale market and you can find them. Uh, and again, with the with the technology that we have, uh, you're able to. And I'll give you an example of StockWeb. So I've, I've gotten this example from many of our users that are out there. They create a safe search and you can create a safe search on a platform, like Manheim.com or whatever. But they're creating a safe search for a specific vehicle that is looking cross auction across the entire country of the wholesale space, bringing in a lot more availability into play. And if they can find a match for that particular vehicle, contact the customer immediately, be able to work out terms so I can see condition report, I can see um, uh, transportation costs, I can see all of those things. And yeah, that car might be listed as a buy it now car, and you might look at that as a buyer and say, oh my gosh, this guy wants all the money for that. I would never buy that for stock. But if you've got a customer on the other end that wants that car and you can negotiate that those terms before you pull the trigger on buying that car, you're just passing that along to the customer, right? Which is what we think a lot of this is gonna happen with these high wholesale values. So I can negotiate those terms and say, this is what it's gonna take to buy the car. If you're interested, I'm more than happy to go ahead and bring this vehicle in and get it for you, just like you would a new car. If I'm going to order it, a specific, you know, option set and, mm -hmm. and et cetera, uh, and then work that out and buy the car off a of wholesale and away we go. So I find that kind of interesting. As a matter of fact, I was at a, uh, I think it was a Florida Independent Dealers Association, mm -hmm. uh, the state association meeting, and a couple fellows walked up to me and said, hey, we got this new business model. We're starting to franchise these independent stores where we're not going to carry any inventory. We're just going to do a virtual lot, if you will, and we're going to work with customers on what they're looking for. And then we want, you know, your stock wave to be able to go out and find those cars and really just buy cars on an order basis, which, you know, when you think about it, it's an interesting concept, but the fact that nobody's got a whole lot of cars on their lots to begin with, that may be a really interesting opportunity in this market if it stays this way, which we think it will be for a while. And I, I think a plus in there too is uh, consumers would probably be okay. Well, I don't know if they probably would be, but the chances are better today that the consumer might pay all the money because A, they couldn't find the car, which is why they asked the dealer in the first place. And they also probably have a sense that 
this thing's going to cost me because of current market conditions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got this quote. I got to read it to you. So one of the things we do uh, is it's just another confirmation of this activity going on is is when uh, we have a dealer that, you know, goes through a demo and doesn't buy Stockway, for example. We do uh, you know kind of an exit interview, if you will. We'll reach sure. out to these folks and try to understand exactly where we fell short. What, what about the technology they didn't think would be useful? Uh, and this was a, an embarrassing example because we kind of fell short probably on the demo because the dealer said, "Wow, if, if I had a solution, I'll, I'll read the quote. It says, if this if this uh, software could quickly and efficiently, I could put some filters in place for a car on my wish list. You know, you always have a wish list. Since car salesman says, gee, you know, I have a customer at our Ford store here that wants an F-350 regular cab long bed, a work truck, and an F-350 with a diesel, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he says, we don't have one in stock. So that goes on the wish list, you know, and he said, you know, but before we probably weren't really good about putting those on the wish list and doing anything about it. He says, now we're really trying to find those cars and those vehicles because we know they're hard to find. And, hey, we've got a customer that's willing to, to buy it. And, you know, I talked about this safe search concept earlier and I went, ah, we obviously didn't explain how the technology works for that piece uh, because that's exactly what you can do is go out to the entire marketplace, cross auction, put in those specifications, and you know we'll go fishing every night. And if a new vehicle comes on the wholesale block, uh, whether it be a buy it now or it's going to go through simulcast or wherever, we see that hit a run list, we're going to tell you, here's your car. Um, we just fulfilled your, your uh, wish list, if you will, that safe search. Uh, so all this activity is really happening, and I think dealers are starting to realize that if I've got the right technology, I can move faster to respond to that customer uh, before, you know, they eventually maybe do find that vehicle on, on the retail market. That is interesting. Uh, and, I, and I sort of wonder if you might have just written a, a marketing line for a dealer who pursues this path. We'll, we'll do the fishing for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of what brokers did, you know, and still do in a much more limited kind of basis. Yeah. That's interesting. True. So. Let me go back to what you two things that you pointed out uh, a little bit ago, Patrick. One is that today dealers, you know, aren't carrying the number of cars in their inventories as they they might previously have at this time of year. Uh, and two is that we expect you know wholesale valuations to, and, and values to to appreciate, but all, if not appreciate, at least remain you know essentially historically high up through the new year and, and into the spring. So I know that come January, February, that's typically a time that the dealers are going to go back, you know, and start saying, hey, let's let's load up a little bit and get ready. So what's your sense of the best course for dealers to take as the calendar turns? Well, I think because you know, normally this would not be our our directive, right? It would be, hey, go, uh, you know, go into hibernation. We're, we're, we're against seasonality. And, you know, when January hits, be ready to go out there and be a buyer. Well, guess what? Everybody else is going to be doing that, that exact right. same thing. Right. So I think it's a, a an opportunity of onesie twosies, right? I think it's literally discipline yourself like we uh, like we coach in the auto, which is pricing those cars daily, right? 
and really working that vehicle and checking the merchandising and making sure that you're getting the right amount of activity on that vehicle to sell it, I think the wholesale market is going to be a lot the same. It's going to be really thinking about what's my stocking strategy? What are the cars that I know will sell quickly? Uh, and, and right now it feels like maybe a little bit of everything sells real quickly. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, what can I, where can I maximize my gross profit? What are going to give me the best margins? And I need to go out there on a daily basis and be able to try to fill those holes that I have in inventory. I think if you do what we historically did, which was, hey, it's uh, you know about the fifth or sixth day of the month. I think we'll go to auction, buy a bunch of inventory, stock up for this month, and we'll sell those down, and then we'll come back next month and you know buy another 20, 25 cars. Um, I think one, you know, you could do that, but you're not going to be happy with what you have to pay to <laughs> to go out and do that because on any given day, that market's going to be extremely high. Uh, and two, um, I think that you're going to be disappointed with just the efficiency, you know, getting the cars to your shop, which has always been a, a challenge anyways, with reconditioning and all that and creating that log jam. I think you got to get out there and really do this on a daily basis. It's kind of the old just-in-time manufacturing concept, right? Car mm -hmm. arrives, uh, gets there, we get it through, and we get it on the lot, and we sell it, and we've got a flow of them coming right uh, behind them all month long so we can really maximize our efficiency. But if I'm a dealer um, and I find perhaps what is a, a rare opportunity to get a bunch of cars you know, at, at, at favorable terms, uh, and I'm thinking about the spring. Would it? Doesn't it seem like it's also true? If I choose to do this, not that we'd recommend it, but if I choose to do this, I might be able to sit on those cars until that time when they sell in the spring, and and be okay because values are are. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I think a great example of that was when we saw that V-shaped recovery, right? That happened right after the pandemic hit. Um, there were folks that jumped out and took some, what everybody thought was a sizable risk to buy some cars that were being dumped by those re daily rental car companies, for the most part, that were saying, I got to get rid of this inventory. We don't know what the economy is going to do. I don't need this kind of stock. And I know several of our uh, users in Stockwave that went out, rolled the dice, picked up those units and wow, did they have one heck of a summer because that V-shaped recovery uh, played right into their hands and they had the inventory. And who had the inventory right after, you know, the, the, the deep trough of the pandemic were the winners last year. Yeah, I, I, but I think it's also worth noting that whatever the size of any kind of V might look like, it ain't going to be that, that dramatic like it was then. No, I, I think, you know, what we're hearing from, uh, you know, our economist is it's going to be, you know, strong, steady demand. Supply is going to be low, getting better as the year progresses, um, you know, but it's going to be a slow kind of, of uh, incline, you know, if you will. And I don't think we're going to see any crazy spikes unless something else happens that we're not expecting. You never know. <laughs> In today's economy and the things that are going on, but uh, barring no uh, uh, major unexpectations, I think we'll be there. Cool. What one last question, Patrick? And you you mentioned you know the the critical role that technology plays. And since we're in December, we got a new year ahead of us. I'm I'm curious, 
from a sourcing technology perspective, what are going to be the bright new things that that maybe dealers should pay attention to, you know, as 2022 comes around and rolls through? Well, I I think, you know, the technology is there, right? And, you know, I'm a little prejudiced. You know, I, I work on Stockwave day to day. So I think the tool is there to be able to find cars anywhere they are and to really put a workflow in that allows you to find the most profitable cars using your live market data and the local market data to be able to find that. So I, I think the technology works. We're looking at ways that if you've got cars come in, let's just say you had a uh, internet lead that came in and the customer preferences, they'd like to trade their car, mm -hmm. but they are preferencing a car that they'd like to trade it in on. And it's a used car and you don't have it, right? And obviously you hope that the reason they sent the lead to you is because nobody else has it either, right? Yep. So we would like to create some technology where we automatically do a little of that leg legwork for you, right? We'll go out and show you where that car is in the wholesale space and do some of that work rather than you interpreting the lead and then turn around and doing, uh, creating the safe search and, and, and going and, and trying to find those cars. It can be done today, uh, but we'd love to make that a little more automated. And I think that's something, you know, we're, we're looking hard at. Um, but I think, where the real opportunity is in it from a best practice standpoint is the dealers that I see who are taking their appraisers. And I just did a workshop on this, the used car week where they're taking their appraisers and they're taking the brightest, best and the brightest who are good at evaluating cars, having them create tribal knowledge on how to spot a car quickly and know what to pay for that car. And, mm -hmm. and let's take this beyond auction cars. Let's take it beyond trade-ins. Let's take it to private party listings. Let's take it to those internet leads that are coming in where someone wants to trade their car. Let's take it to the service drive, right? For service appointments that are coming in. If you can have a core team inside of that dealership that knows what they're paying for a car at the curb, what they're paying for a car at auction, and they can understand what the value is across all those sources and have them be putting numbers on cars I think uh, we're finding that there's, we're seeing a, a lot more success, right? Instead of fragmenting that, I showed a report of a, a look the book inside of a dealership that had, you know, 12 different people that were appraising cars, you know, yeah. on the given day, they're putting numbers on a car. Um, you know, we might've been able to get away with that <laughs> in the past, but right now, every opportunity to get uh, a used vehicle is like gold, right? So we got to have, the best eyes on it, and we got to have people that are well aware of what that car costs, regardless of the source that you might get it from. And I think those dealers that are putting that practice in place uh, are going to be real winners um, in, in the in the coming year. Now, it's been a while since I've actually looked at a <clears throat> a dealership's look to book, you know, ratio by appraisers, but I want to I want to say that it the spread between the 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 performance of, across that group of appraisers can sometimes run 25, 30% difference. Are you, is that what you're seeing when you take a look at that now? Yeah. And I'll, I'll even, you know, go a step further with that. As I was looking at these, these look to books within dealerships, you know, we have a, a metric in Viato called cost to market, right? So yep. what am I going to own this car for relative to what I can sell it for? And the cost to market spread from those, those folks putting numbers on cars ranged 10 to 12 percent 
And I use the analogy, can you imagine if you were on the board of a big box retailer or you were an executive at the big box retailer and your folks who are purchasing products for the store on any given day, you know, their margins range from 10 to 12 percent, depending on who is inking the deal with the vendor. You'd be like, wow, you go out of your mind. But, you know, in the dealership, when you're letting kind of everybody jump in there and put a number on a car, we see that kind of spread sometimes. So not only is there, you know, the end result, which is how many cars, what is their look to book? How many cars are they actually capturing uh, can be a problem one against the other. But really the warning sign is, is because some are putting, you know, not enough money into cars and some are putting way too much money. We right. need an objective and we need the same people looking at that cost of market and really being consistent with what they're putting into cars. And I think that's the key to, dealers being more efficient, more successful. Because that, that consistency is going to ride wherever the market goes. You're, you're going to be applying the same the same uh, metrics and, and point of view. Exactly. I mean, if, 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 if you know, right now, uh, under $10,000 cars, right? Short supply. I saw a number. I was at uh, J.D. Byrider's national meeting, and they did an analysis that said that at auction, uh, they used an example of a $7,500 car that you could buy at auction. Um, this fall uh, was down, the, the volume of those cars going through auction was down like 40%. So again, mm -hmm. another supply issue. This is a bread and butter car you know, for, for their business model. And uh, so when you think about that, um, if, if that supply is so low, how we put a number on that car, you may say, are you crazy? You're putting you know 10 grand into a car that really should only have 7,500 into it. But if there's no cars and the average uh, list price of a used car right now, I think last month eclipsed $27,000. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, you know, not everybody has, you know, income has raised to the level to where they can afford that type of vehicle. You've got to go get, you know, the, I, I, what I've been telling people is, is, you know, you always got that that neighbor that says, hey, I need a $5,000 car for my kid. He's 16 and, you know, he's going to go to school. I'm like, well, that car doesn't necessarily exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that car is a ten seventy five hundred or ten thousand dollar car now. Um, so I just want to prepare you for that if it's roadworthy and you know can be safe to drive. Right. And so you got to know how to make those adjustments. And typically, you may pass on that car and you know miss an opportunity that's a super hot segment because there's no availability. Yeah, it's a good point. That's a point worth remembering. Patrick, as always, thank you for taking time to join the podcast. Thanks, Lance. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for joining this episode of the V Auto Podcast. Until next time, stay well.